what's up everybody? Here we are again. It's Thursday and you know what that means. It's another episode of Chasing Birdies. What's up, my man? What's shaking, Bacon? I'm so glad to hear that you're back in, on the East Coast. Uh, I'm going to get a nice three and a half week, uh, I guess you can call it vacation. Yeah, hiatus, vacation. Yeah, yeah dude. I feel It feels good to be back. Uh, it was tough coming back, obviously, for obvious reasons, but... Uh, thanks, thanks for having me back on East Coast, bud. I look forward to playing some golf with you, man. I hear you're playing some good golf over there at Pine Valley, huh? Yeah, well, we had a short little stop on Saturday. Got invited out to Pine Valley Golf Club in New Jersey, number one golf course in America, and it was. <laughs> I mean, is it is it really number one? It's I'm number one golf course in America, bub. Mm-hmm. And you had quite a crew. Who, who'd you have with you? Well, to be honest, I I, I had a lot of no's. Uh, throw my win. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I'll go down the list of, of people that said no to me. You know, Vincent Trocek, Brandon Cassis, Ryan Bashauer, Matt Barkowski, mm-hmm. JT Miller. And I think there were, there, my, my brother-in-law said no. I mean, again, I, everybody's got a guy, all right? We, it's the number one golf course. Your guy has a, a thousand other people that want to play. And yeah. And that's what everybody, I, I literally had four four of my buddies say, I'll get on. Oh, all right. Yeah. I hope, and I, I hope everyone does. I, I hope everyone does get on. But it was a blast. It, it's incredible. Lives up to the number one. It is hard as shit. I mean, it is so hard. But it is, I mean, it's number one. You walk off and you're mm-hmm. like, it's the number one golf course in the country. In the country, yeah. So, the I tell you what, dude, your photography skills are great. That picture we put up there on Chasing Birdie's Instagram of your bag, I mean, that was a beaut. Yeah, it wasn't bad, man. I mean, I'm not, I'm not you on on the on the yeah. camera with yeah. the Instagram, the editing, and all that. But you know, uh-huh. thank God we have Rachel on the Instagram and Facebook because she can dial that in and yeah, things I can't do. Chasing Birdie's has its uh, first, I guess you can call it, contract employee Rachel London handling all of our social media now so if you see or if you saw a vast improvement in the social media game it's it's all to her thanks for that girl because you dude we can't i mean you and i it's like we look like such amateurs with this whole uh, well, Facebook all thing. You, uh but that's the thing all you care about is your personal handle you don't care about anything yeah. else <laughs> you you know you, you take your pr- I, I witnessed it in, in veil so i know um, but you're proud of it and, and i I give you props. Appreciate it. But I'm glad to, I'm, again, I'm glad you're back. Swing of things. You got the stadium coming up. You know, mm-hmm. let's, let's talk about the British Open, bud. What, did you see that coming? Dude, I mean, no, but at the at the same time, I mean, watching him play Saturday and Sunday, I mean, no. And Sunday, he was not not faltering at all. What do you think? I mean, I feel terrible saying it. I watched two golf shots um, with the mm-hmm. British Open. I watched uh, Morikawa hit his second shot into uh, 18 and then two putt. Well, I guess three golf shots. Yeah. And, and I, and I literally sat there and I thought to myself, well, I only got two benefits to Bruce Open. And it's my favorite major of the year. Just, you know, with that call, I call in, I got called up from the minors to the big show to go mm-hmm. to Pine Valley and drove all night, Friday night, played, hopped back in the car, got back. And, uh, there you go. So when are you pegging it up again? I'm going to peg it up tomorrow. At Pikewood National with with my good buddy Adam Schwinn, uh, he's in town. 
did mm-hmm. me a solid, dude. He actually drove my truck across the country, well, from Colorado to West Virginia, and I was able to fly home a day early and kind of get my mind right here while he did that. I, that was so kind of him. So um, tomorrow we're going to play a little golf. I'm going to get to work on some of my new I techniques. I get a there while you're there, huh? Yeah, but he can have he could have salmon if he wants. He's on a keto diet right now, so we'll have to see what he picks. But anyways, the lesson I had in Colorado was great. Mm-hmm. You know, not sure it will necessarily help my game, considering my mental game sometimes lacks. You know what I'm saying? And I think that's yeah. Your your mental game does uh, lack. I'd say that's your weakest part of your golf game, and that, and I mean that's not an insult, but but I'll tell you I'll tell you one thing, and again. You know, I know that you're working on getting your putter dialed in, and you know, we we just saw the drawing of your putter that Betnardi Golf just sent you of what it's going to look like. I mean, the things that uh, Betnardi can do in-house, custom uh, at the hive, and then also just you know, right off the rack at Studio Stock, and yeah, it's pretty cool. And it's again, it's all made in the USA. And your custom putter, I mean, tell us a little about what's shaking down with that. Because Oh, man, it's beautiful. We I just got, so everybody, you know, we, we went out to Chicago a month ago or so, and I got fitted for Betnardi putter. Betnardi, again, all made in America. Great putters, great wedges, and actually great people. So it was awesome to see the sketches come over yesterday uh, on the putter. And, yeah, it's a, it's a little dark putter. It's, I think it's black, maybe with some, I don't know, polish to it little softer face. What is it? 29 inches. No, I'm just kidding. It's uh, 33. You're cut it down to yourself now. I like it. Mm-hmm. That's for you, bud. But, uh, but I no, mean, it's, yeah, they, they, they've been an incredible partner. And again, we're, we're unfortunately, we didn't have enough time to do tapping things that is sponsored by Betnardi Golf this episode. So please go check out betnardi.com. And, and browse around. They got some cool swag as well, even if you don't want a putter. But uh, I highly recommend getting a putter off the okay. rack or uh, go get an appointment at the hive and tell them the birdie boys sent you. Hey, bud. Uh, yeah, they're gonna tell you them that they were listening to this podcast, and I didn't even get to finish talking about my putter. <laughs> it's all good, dude. But be- getting back to that mental aspect, man. I think today with Doctor Bob Rattel on the episode. It really, it's really showing and telling of the tour players and what their thought processes are like to get to that level and play at that level, man. So this, this was a fun interview to do, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, it's it's not just a professional golf; it's in the NBA, NCAA basketball, football, cross. I mean, the list goes yeah. on and on of what Dr. Bob uh, has his hands in. But uh, we're gonna roll you right over to Dr. Bob Rotella. You guys enjoy the show. As you all know by now, Chase and Birdies is proud to be partners with Holderness and Bourne. Check them out online at hbgolf.com. Holderness and Bourne makes fabulous pieces that help you look good on the course, even if your game is not up to par. Check out their new arrivals now for this golf season. Also, head on over to chasingbirdies.com to get some custom Chase and Birdie gear from Holderness and Bourne. We'll continue to drop these pieces through every season. That's chasingbirdies.com and Holderness and Bourne at hbgolf.com. We have a uh, very, very 
interesting, important, very world-renowned sports psychologist here on Chasing Birdies today. Thanks for joining in, Dr. Bob Rotella. Doc, how you doing today? I'm good. Thanks for joining us. Well, glad to be with you, boys. Well, so Dr. Rotella, let's find out, how did you get into sports psychology originally? Well, I was coaching. I coached at my high school for a while, and then I coached at the University of Connecticut for six years, and then I coached lacrosse at the University of Virginia, uh, which I might add just won back-to-back national championships this year and and previous year. It's been a good time uh, to be a Cavalier. Yeah, and, you know, I was, the more I coached, the more I thought I ought to start studying the mental part of coaching because it became very clear quickly that there were practice players and there were gamers. And I want to learn more about how to make more practice players gamers and um, probably where it started. So all the time I was in grad school, I was coaching and learning more and more about it. And uh, Led to a job at the University of Virginia teaching sports psychology and coaching. And eventually they let me start a doctoral program and work with all the teams. So that's kind of how it started. Now, were you, I guess, so to speak, with, with respect to sports psychology, I read somewhere that you were more interested in performance psychology. And I guess that is kind of akin to what you just said, where you're, you were more interested in how the athletes performed as opposed to studying a, a different realm of psychology. Is that correct? Yeah, I think a lot of people, when they hear the word psychology, they think of psychiatry or clinical psychology, or, you know, people who deal with abnormalities. And I would describe it, I don't know if this is totally accurate, but I would describe it as I take people that are above normal and functioning and try to get them to great or optimal performance, whereas some other areas of psychology take people who have abnormalities or clinical problems or functioning below normal levels, and they're successful if they get them to normal functioning. So it's a very different body of information. I just didn't happen to have any interest in abnormality at the low end. I basically study abnormality at the top end. I'd say it's a very positive, optimistic uh, view of the mind and attitude. And trying to get people to separate themselves from the pack by having great mindsets and great mood states and love and challenges. Mm-hmm. You know, where some people are into realistic goal setting, I'm into creating your own reality. and you know, dreaming up big ideas for yourself and your life and your career. Well, and that's kind of why we named this podcast Jason Birdies, because in reality, it doesn't matter if you're a CEO of Coca-Cola or the CEO of Pikewood Energy, you're chasing a birdie no matter what. All of us are chasing birdies. Even if you don't play golf, we are all chasing birdies. And that's interesting that you you, you correlate that. Yeah, I would say it's amazing when you start working with people who want to be tour players who are getting up into their 20s, they'll say to me, you know, when I was a kid, the reason I loved golf, and when I went to the golf course every day, I just wanted to see how many birdies I could make. And now I'm turning professional, and I'm finding myself out there trying to not make bogey. And it's like they hate it. And they're like, God, I know I'm not going to get where I want to go if that's how I'm thinking. And so, yeah, I mean, it's pro golf today is you better make a lot of birdies. Well, and, and it's interesting you bring that up uh Ryan is a very, very good player in the state of West Virginia, and he actually was just in the West Virginia Mid-Am and uh, semifinal hey, when you match. Say he's a good, when you say he's a good player, you mean Jonathan Pepe good? Or? He's, he's good. He's very good. 
He's a very good player. <laughs> so, okay. um, but Sorry to throw that out there. Semifinal West Virginia Mid Am. He's three up on Pat Carter with three to play, and he loses in twenty holes. So, mm-hmm. again, like what you just said, it's almost like from the outside you were trying not to make a mistake. Correct, and I made mistakes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I mean, yeah. So I mean, that can happen, and and I always, you know, like in that situation, I'm always asking, well. Did it happen because you got tight and careful or did it happen in spite of you being in a great state of mind? In other words, you might've played the last three holes great. And the other guy may have had the best three holes of his life. So, I mean, I don't necessarily go by the outcome. Um, even though the rest of the world's going to say this guy's a winner, that guy's a loser. I'm more into, well, did you keep in the same mindset you had been in the whole day? And if you did, well, he just beat you. And I think there's a big difference between getting beat, and losing it because you get tight and careful. And I think everybody's experienced it. And I think the whole key is, can you keep learning from it and say, well, I'm not making that mistake again. Mm-hmm. Next time I'm in that situation, I'm going to mm-hmm. try to bury him and keep making birdies. Yep. That's exactly right. I think that I was not ever in that position before. Mm-hmm. And I think I just got a little tight and got a little more conservative than I needed to. And you know, it, it was a good learning experience, so I definitely will 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 take that into consideration moving yeah, forward. Yeah, and let's understand it happens in every sport. You know, in football, it's going into the prevent defense. Yeah. In basketball, you start sitting on a lead. Yeah. Yep. yeah. <laughs> in every sport, there's it. It can happen, and that's what makes it great. So the next thing we spend a lot of time talking about is you got to have your mind well ahead of your past experience. So, I mean, it's, it's really, it's about, you know, how much time you spend visualizing yourself winning that championship and closing the guy out early. And it's just, it's an attitude and it's, it's an attack mentality. And today there's so many people who are so good in golf skill wise, so much of it at the top level comes down to whose head's in the right place. In other words, if you went to the range at the PGA or the Colonial, the last two weeks. There's no way on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you could figure out who was the best player. They can all hit the ball. They can all pitch it. They can all hit bunker shots in the practice area. They can all putt it. Can you go out and do it on the golf course Mm -hmm. in the tournament? Under that pressure. Yeah. Well, and so we don't ever talk about pressure, by the way. I think pressure is all self-imposed. In other words, pressure doesn't exist in a tournament. Pressure is in someone's mind. In other words, mm. you can put pressure on yourself, but it doesn't come from the outside. So, I mean, it's all about how you're thinking about it. I mean, i give you a good example. Like, Tiger Woods only keeps his major trophies in his house. <laughs> and one of the players recently told me they visited him, and he said, yeah, I don't even know where they are. You know, they just – I gave them away, the other tournaments, the other trophies. I, I don't have any interest in them. You know, and so as a result, it's easy to win those other tournaments. So these are this is someone who views PGA Tour victories as like next to nothing of importance to him. Yeah. And we're we're talking about like club championships or city championships or state championships as huge. You know. So I mm-hmm. mean, for my amateur players, if they're playing in a tournament at the amateur level, I said someone just played for two million dollars last week. Mm. You know, for a spot on the Ryder Cup team, mm-hmm. whatever. And it's like, no one cares about the. I mean, these are like, and the point is, 
it's an attitude. It's a mm-hmm. mindset. It's like you got to get really good at tearing down the importance of everything and anything that's happening to you when you're on the golf course. Well, something that's always stuck with me that a conversation you and I have had is if a, a PGA Tour player is coming down the stretch and he's in the lead and he's never won before, it is completely different to watch them than somebody that's been there before and has a f- few victories. And what I mean by that is that their routine changes. They start looking at it putt from a different angle. And can you talk a little bit about that, that mindset that those players, what separates those two players? Well, let's just back up to your first statement. I mean, I'd say in the last month, let's see, I've had Sam Burns win for the first time. Dickie Pride won on the Champions Tour a week ago oh. uh, for the first time in like 30 years. Mm-hmm. And, and I could go on and on. I mean, Mike Weir hadn't won in probably 15 years or more. And they all won. So I don't think it it has to do with whether you've won before. I think it has to do with whether you believe you can win. It has to do with whether you're a true believer. It's how much have you seen this in your mind and how comfortable you are with winning. Mm-hmm. The truth is routine and all that stuff changes. We start getting tight and careful when we don't really see it in our own mind. Like if you knew you were going to win. So a lot of times I'll tell players at that level, at the tour level, I said, well, if you were playing in your club championship when you were 23 years old, how would you think if you were three up with three to go? Oh, God, you know, I just know this thing's over. I'm just going to keep mm-hmm. playing because this thing's over. Mm-hmm. And you go, okay, when you can have that same feeling on the last two holes of the Masters with a one-shot lead, well, then you're there. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's all a matter of are you willing to take your mind to, to the level of your dreams? So, in other words, if you're dreaming about winning – on tour, and it really helps if you're dreaming about winning, you know, like 10 times on tour, the first one's really a piece of cake. Mm-hmm. But if your only goal is to win one, and you're not really sure you believe you're going to win one, well, then you're probably going to get tight and careful. So it really, the routine mm-hmm. is a result of where your mind's at. All it's doing is giving mm-hmm. us a picture that we can see on a camera of how you really think about yourself. And you carry that over to a lot of Fortune 500 companies as well. Even though it's golf, it's a little bit the same mindset for CEOs and presidents of companies, correct? No question. I remember years ago for a huge company speaking at their million-dollar roundtable. And afterwards, I sat with the CEO, and he said, well, how'd you like our meeting? I said, it was great. And he said, well, what do you think about it? I said, well, why do you have your biggest awards, a million-dollar roundtable? And he said, well, you know, when you were a kid, a million dollars was unbelievable. It was an amazing amount of money. And I looked at him and I said, yeah, when I was a little kid, it was. I'm talking about why is this your highest award now? Mm-hmm. You know, I, he goes, what do you mean? I go, well, if you had a $5 million round table, I promise you, a bunch of people would do $5 million. Mm-hmm. If you had a $10 million round table, I promise you'd have a smaller number, but some people would do $10 million. And I said, you end mm-hmm. up making a million, end up being a limit for a lot of people. And holding people back. And, you know, that's a lot of what it's about. Set expectations high. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, dream big and get comfortable with it. Right. And that's the thing, too, you know. I think it's kind of probably like you doing a show with Jonathan Pepe. I mean, that's like a big dream. Right. Tell you what. Like, God, could I ever do a show with Jonathan Pepe? You know, someday in my wildest imagination. when, When I wake up and I you know, say some things I'm grateful for in the morning. It's always the fact that I get to sit next to this guy. 
and and hear him talk and hear his stories. I mean, he's 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 definitely a good guy to have in your corner, though, no doubt about it. So you know, for the yeah. listeners out there, Doctor Rotella has written many books, and I understand he's in the process of of writing a book right now. And his most, I, I don't want to say this because this might not be too accurate, but golf is not a game of perfect. And that became the number one selling best book over in Ireland and still may be today. But I remember reading this book and I think that is something that us amateur golfers try to do is perfect the game, but we can't perfect a game that can't be perfected, period. No, it's interesting. That was definitely the best selling book that all of them sold quite nicely, but my next book is going to be called Make Your Next Shot Your Best Shot, and it's going to come out the week of the Ryder Cup. Okay. And Padraig Harrington did the intro for it. And, and just on a side note, it's interesting. The University of Virginia lacrosse team like lost, I think, three of their first early games this year, and they started having a team reading of my last book, How Champions Think. Mm-hmm. And the night before every game, the kids were assigned to read a chapter and then to have a team discussion about it the night before the game. And the coach called me before the championship game and told me they were on chapter 19 the night before the championship game. And he said, it just, it's amazing how it's turned our mindset around. And it's just, it's an attitude. And mm-hmm. it's, it's hard for people to understand it because we can't take a picture of what's going on inside someone's mind, but it plays a huge role and what we end up doing with our lives. Are there any athletes that you've worked with that practice daily meditations? I mean, because I kind of, myself, I know... Per- it depends on what you mean by meditation. I mean, they're all doing a lot of visualization. Yeah, correct. Some might go so far as to get very into meditation, which I'm all for. But, you know, if you think about it, meditation is simply getting yourself in a some, somewhat hypnotic state. It's being mesmerized which simply means all you're thinking about is what you want to be thinking about and you eliminate all distractions or negative thoughts or doubts or fears and you just get lost in what you want. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's what it's all about. When you let go of caring about what other people are going to think about how this turns out, you're just lost in the ball going where you want it to go. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, yeah, a lot of athletes in, in every sport are doing a lot of that. Yeah, and it's it's being in that moment, executing. Yeah, and if you're confident, you'll be in the present moment. Mm-hmm. If this is beyond what your mind is comfortable with, you'll start getting excited about it. You know, so I mean, it's really you you have to have been comfortable with it in your mind. Like sometimes when I talk to athletes, they'll say, "Oh my God, when I just just visualizing it, I get so uncomfortable." You know, if I make four birdies in a row. I'm like getting excited and, and uncomfortable. And I go, well, if you can't even visualize it while being comfortable, how do you think you're going to be comfortable in a tournament? Mm-hmm. And it kind of makes the point to them that, well, I got to get, I got to get my mind to a different place. Yeah. And it's understandable because most people are brought up psychologically to be normal. And I'm with people who are practicing their butt off and they want to be great. Yeah. Mm. And so if you want to be the best player in the world, you've got to see yourself as the best player in the world and get comfortable with that idea. Yeah. I, I remember in college um, when I was at Marshall University, I was having trouble with my distance control on the greens. And I, I saw Dr. Bob, and he we're on the putting green, and he gives me a golf ball. He says, here, throw it to me. 
And I'm thinking, well, this has nothing to do with putting. Why am I throwing golf balls with him on the putting green? And I tossed him the ball, and he said, what did you just do there? I don't know. He said, you looked and you react. It's a feel. It's like a free throw shooter, right? They just look and react. The good ones do. Yeah. There's not very many good free throw shooters, though, right now, huh? You know, there's a lot more now than there were 15 years ago. Hmm. I think people have started to figure out. I mean, you know, it's something like 95% of the points scored in the last five minutes of games decided by five points or less or free throws. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, guys are learning that if you can't make free throws, you can't play at the end of the game. And it's very similar to short game in golf. Yeah. You know, every tournament you play, you watch it every weekend. Someone's getting it up and down on the last hole or three, and they're making a putt from three to six feet on the last hole. The NCAA championship yesterday came down to it. You know, it's just the way it is. And so you, that has to be the part of your game that most confident with. And today we're seeing in golf a lot of people who can really hit their driver, but it's going to come down to can you make this three-foot putt? I keep telling people, on the last hole of the Masters, you better be able to make a three, four-foot putt. Yeah. Because you're probably going to have to make it to win the tournament. Yeah. And if you're not comfortable with it, you know, it, it'll be a problem. Well, and that's a th- and that's a thing too. You think back when uh, David Duval, I mean, what did he, in ni- was it ninety nine when he shot fifty nine? Uh, yeah, I, mean, yep. I can't even imagine being in that mindset. And that's back to what you said. He's not trying to not make a bogey. That's why those guys are so good. They make a birdie, they want to make another birdie. They're at five under, they want to be at six under. Us yeah, as I- amateurs, we get to five under and we're like, all right, let's just not make a mistake. Let's just come in and shoot five under. Yeah, you have to get to the point where numbers don't mean anything. I think, I, I don't know if this is exact, because I've lost track of it, but I think six of the nine or ten guys that have broken 60 have been working with me when they did it. Hmm. And it's an adjective. And one of them, Jim Furyk, who I've worked with for years, I mean, he's got a 59 and a 58 during hmm. the years we've worked together. And, you know, it's, at some point you have to get comfortable with it. And that's where you better have a good routine and you better trust what you're doing. That's right. And that's that's that routine. I will never forget uh, a gentleman that, that you were working with, Padraig Harrington. Yep. He is so into his routine. Whenever I was standing on the range with him in Pinehurst at the U.S. Open, yep. it is incredible to see that he goes through his routine on the practice range. To me, I'm just hitting balls on the practice range. And if it looks good, it looks good. Like, I'm not practicing with a purpose. Mm-hmm. Well, that's why you're not on tour. Uh, I mean, that's true for a lot of people. <laughs> but, you know, it's just, it's, it's an amazing, you know, if you play enough at the top level, you just learn. I don't have another option. And, you know, it's, it's always interesting. Some people have a great routine with their driver, but not with their pitching. Some have a great routine with their putting, but not with their driver. You know, so, it's, so I mean, you got to get a great routine with every part of your game so you're prepared for any situation. And you just know one thing. I'm doing my routine mentally and physically on every shot I play today. You know, Doc, we had the opportunity to interview Annika, and, you know, she said something along the lines of she made eight birdies in a row when she shot 59. And I think she looked at her caddy or something to that effect and, you know, wanted to make a part. Yeah, she said she wanted to make a part so that she could feel comfortable again. You know, and I thought that was very interesting. Now, when, when it comes to sports psychology, is there a sport that you, I know golf's your, your main 
uh, kind of sports where you mentor and coach and, you know, be alongside these tour players. But is there another sport that you really enjoy working alongside these athletes? Is it lacrosse or basketball? Well, I've always worked in I've always worked in basketball. basketball. I played basketball and lacrosse in college, so long before I was ever into golf. But I, um, you know, I've worked with John Calipari, the Pennsylvania mm-hmm. boy, and I started with him at UMass. And we've always had a ball, and I've worked with Virginia and Tony Bennett, and mm. you know, watched both of those coaches win national championships. I've worked with Jim Laranega, who's at Miami. I remember watching George, working yeah, with him when George Mason went to the Final Four and became the first team in history to beat three number one seeds. So, I mean, I've had a lot of fun with that. I worked with the Eagles the year they won the Super Bowl. That was a lot of fun. I do a lot of work with show jumpers. So, I mean, I've I've had a lot of sports I've worked with and had fun with. I get a football player running back calling me tonight. But it's, I don't know, I've worked with every sport. I I just love people who have big ideas and want to see how far they can go with the talent they've got. And is there a difference when you're when you're working with a team as opposed to an individual with respect to golf? I mean, there's got to be. Is there a difference? Well, the, yeah, the only difference is, you know, you're working with a team, yeah. and like the team has to be more important than the individual's needs. Mm-hmm. And you find out who's really a team player, and you have to get people to love their their role on the team, and really buy into it and accept it, and feel like it's an important part of the team's success. Mm-hmm even though different roles get different attention or money or whatever. And I mean, that's the challenge in, in team sports today. Yeah. And you know, basically parents and friends and lovers, you know, all they care about is their kid. And it's like, yeah, but you chose to play a team sport. You, you, you could have played an individual sport if that's what you want. So, I mean, you got to get people to buy in. That's, and I, I guess the other difference is when athlete, an individual comes to me, they already call me and know they want to talk about this stuff. And when you go work with a team, just because the coaches and some of the players are really into the mental role, there's others who still have God knows what kind of ideas about what we're going to talk about. I think usually after they hear what I'm talking about, they're pretty darn comfortable with it and realize it's an important part. And I just tell them, like, if you want to be great, you better learn how the greats think. Mm-hmm. It's very different from normal people, at least when they're doing their thing. I think most of the greats want to be normal when they're with their families and friends. But when they're on their sport field, they go to a different place. Well, I, I understand that you're you're working now with Rory. And obviously he has amazing talent, God-given talent. Oh. But uh, he must have felt the need to, to sub, you know start to build up his – mental game a little bit well you know I've, I've talked to rory in the past okay he just talked about this recently but yeah. um and rory grew up on my book golf is only game of perfect and from day one told me he pretty much just looks at a target and lets it go to the target so i mean it's not like brand new but i think he got a little lost i think his teacher couldn't get out of ireland because of covid and then he started trying to hit it further and got himself a little messed up but he, he's you know, he's a very talented young man. Yeah. He's just a wonderful kid. Um, not a kid anymore. He's a young man. But, I mean, he, he's, he's got a lot of game. A lot of game. If they were all as easy as Rory, he's <laughs> a piece of cake. Well, you know, it was interesting watching Phil uh, carry the win over here at Kiowa in the PGA Championship. And I, I guarantee yeah. you 
that was a new state of mind for him. I mean, granted, he's won on tour before in majors, but he probably he hasn't been in that position in years. You know, and you're holding a lead in a major championship. You're 50 years old. I mean, his mental. Yeah, but Phil has no. But Phil has no problem believing he can win. Yeah. I mean, he's won twice on the Champions Tour. I think his first two starts. Mm-hmm. So I mean, he's been around winning a lot. He's won a lot of tournaments. And I, you know, from what all the guys said, I mean, the win was really advantageous to a lefty. But mentally, he was comfortable with winning. Mm-hmm. And and he finished it off very nicely. His short game was wonderful. Probably the best I've ever seen him drive it. And what was interesting to me is Phil at 50 or 51 won, and Padraig Harrington is going to be 50 in a couple months. I mean, he came right. in fourth. I mean, yeah. I think it's the first major we've seen in quite a few years that was set up really hard and had a lot of wins. And the more you make the course difficult and have course management be a big play, part of the game, I think it brings out veteran experience, and I think it really shows. Yeah, yeah. And it also shows here that age is just a made-up thing. It, I mean, I, you know, I mean, if you if you don't think you're old, you're not right. old. They make way more out of it than they need to. I mean, it's just you know, the other thing I'd say is they're both pretty good-sized mm-hmm. guys. Yeah. I mean, Phil's probably six three, and Padre's probably six one or so. I mean, I I think age in golf plays less of a role. If you got size and you can still hit it long, uh, it's a big. Advantage. Well, even these short guys, I mean, are pounding the ball. These guys on the PGA Tour, I mean, like yeah. Justin Thomas, he pounds it. I mean, I work with Justin. I mean, Justin and Rory are not very big. Ricky Fowler's not very big. I mean, you're right. The younger generation, the little guys pound it. The older generation, not so much. Yeah, they just weren't. They were brought up on different golf courses in the old days. The majors, the rough, the fairways were, fairways were narrow. The rough was long. The trees were hanging down. Now the fairways are wide. The rough is cut down, and the trees are cut up. So it, it, there's really, if you don't hit it out of bounds, being long and crooked mm-hmm. doesn't hurt you that much mm-hmm. anymore. But and, and players have adapted to the course setups, and TV probably pretty much dictates right. that. I mean, TV wants right. yeah, for the eat. excitement. Yep. So that's what you get. and players better adjust. And the adjustment is you better be out there on day one playing to make birdies. If you're out there playing to not get off to a bad start or not make bogeys, you'll get run over. Mm-hmm. And, and that's back to you're a firm believer of playing the golf course from the green back. Can you explain well, a little I like bit? Guys, I like guys that practice rounds to just look at the course from the mm-hmm. green back. Mm-hmm. I want all my players to see off on the tee box, not on the green. Right. <laughs> but, but, I mean, the, the point is, yeah, no, I like them to take a look in the practice round because I think you can see the hole very differently if you look from the green back. So, yes, yeah, that is something I talk about. Interesting. Interesting. So, you were behind Curtis Strange when he won the uh, 1988 U.S. Open. And you want to talk a little bit about that? I know you probably have other majors – that major champions under your belt, but um, I know that he was kind like of in a yeah. Three of them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, that's incredible. All I can tell you is I remember Curtis after he won. Curtis being at my house and saying, "You know, I went home on Monday and watched the broadcast with my family, and I couldn't believe the broadcasters were talking about how cool and calm I was." <laughs> he said, "I was doing everything I could to stay in the present moment." and stay into what I was doing and play one shot at a time. 
But the urge to think about his dad, who was a club bro, died when he was a teenager. Um, you know, he said, and what it would mean to my dad and my mom and my family and my, my wife and kids. He said, yeah, I mean, I had a really work like heck on staying in the moment until I ran out of holes. And I remember him saying, if I ever become a broadcaster, man, I'm telling the truth. It's a heck of a challenge to do this stuff and stay in the moment. But I think the good ones catch it really quickly. You know, I think players who struggle, they spend three, four holes thinking about what it would mean and getting ahead of themselves. And they don't ever get back to the present. Um, but, you know, I mean, Curtis, I mean, you know, went back-to-back U.S. Open yeah. and almost won three. You know, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, it's incredible. It really is. Yeah. But, guys, it was great talking with you. Um, it's like you got a great podcast going. Have fun with it. Hey, Thank we, you very we much, We appreciate Doc. the time, Doc. And uh, okay, we'll guys. be looking for that new book coming out. All right. Take care. Hey, you take All care, right. Doc. We'll see you. Dude, we nailed that one, huh? Doc is so, so impressive. It's it's pretty crazy how you can tie me about of golf and uh, really anything, sales, your job, your career, whatever. Uh, everything that we do in life has some some kind of mental work that needs to be done, and and he taps into that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's really cool. I mean, it's again, you and I had this conversation when we were out hiking is to. to Say, hey, stay in the moment. Stick to your routine. Don't worry about the results. That's the hardest thing about golf is because yeah. golf is a result sport, right? You you make a par, you make a birdie, you make a bogey. That's your result, right? And you want to make the best score and put the most pressure on yourself. It's crazy to think that he gets these tour players to pretty much just forget about the result mm-hmm. and focus on the process. Yeah, and the target. Yeah, no, it's it's. It's another, and it's definitely another level, man. And I, you know, me, you know, he's laughing at me. Well, did you just like play your worst three holes, or did, did your opponent play the best three holes of his life? And it's like, you know, that's where these guys are just so good is they just can can weed all the bad thoughts out. Well, tell me like Pat Carter too. I mean, Pat Carter is as steady as it gets. He smells blood. Mm-hmm. He he. He goes for it, and he smelled a little. He, yep. he 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 saw a little wounded deer. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, he trounced on it. So, and unfortunately, it was you because I would have yeah. loved to uh, <laughs> see you hoist that trophy. But PC, uh, way to go, bud. Yeah, you know, you know we dig it. So, yeah, um, you dig it, bud. All right. So our next guest, dude. <laughs> it's so cool. It is so cool. So, long story short. You know, again, we want to thank our sponsor, Nemecolon, uh, five-star resort, top to bottom. Restaurants are out of this world. The hiking is good. Uh, the rock climbing, they just put a new pole in. That's the, the peak, it's called. Uh, heated floors for, so that they can have events in the winter and you can go swimming in the, in the winter. So they have every uh, I dotted across and uh, – I was at the grand opening of Shepherd Rock uh, a few years ago, and I got to play a practice round with Willie Robertson from Duck Dynasty. And uh, so, again, I, I met him at Nemecolon, which now is a sponsor. It's almost full circle, and uh, he is he's hilarious, and he is so cool. Again, you know, the, the guy's in the hunting game, yeah. duck calls. 
and Buck Commander, and and he loves golf. Lives, eats, and breathes golf. Yeah, and he's just a good man. I mean, you can just tell. Good family guy. Loves golf. Loves business. Just all around, just good man. So, you know, dude, yeah, so- you you're the man. I mean, you get these connects and all this jazz, and makes us look extra good, man. Hats off to you. Well, again, man, this goes back to Nemecon. They put on these events that are first class. True. It's a first class resort, um, and and you meet first class people. And and again, go check out Nemecon at Nemecon dot com. Uh, book your reservation. Take the family there for two days. Enjoy yourself. Mm-hmm. Put pick your feet up. Get a massage and, and relax a little bit in life. And then we'll play some golf and yeah. drink some transfusion. But, yeah, man, Willie Robertson, he's mm-hmm. – I mean, the, the guy literally was asking us questions. Well, yeah, that, that, that was a fun, fun episode to record. So you guys listening out there, that episode will come out in two weeks, which would be on August the 5th. So that's Willie Robertson, Duck Dynasty, coming here at Chasing Birdies on August the 5th. We're excited to bring you guys that one. Yeah, and make sure you go to our website, chaseandbirdies.co, to buy some swag. You know, we got the t-shirts, we got head covers. We've sold a lot of stuff over the last few weeks. You, like, I mean, more than I ever thought we would. Well, you know, we're, we're promoting it a little more, and, and we want people to have, you know, some good representation of Chase and Birdies, whether it's on a shirt, we're working on getting some hats, we got to get more towels. You know, we already have the uh, the head covers available online. So, yeah, man, things are going going along nicely with that. And we have great help now with with Rachel again on the social media aspect of things. So, uh, hey, go uh, follow us on Instagram, Chasen underscore Birdies. We're good to our Facebook page, Chasen Birdies. Really appreciate the support. It's been awesome. Yeah. And I'm off the Cypress Point right now, boy. So, All right, bud. Um, well, you go take care of that uh plane where if you're driving or if you got a flooded basement i don't know what you got but take care of that and uh i'll catch you soon thanks guys for listening thanks to simpler media for putting this thing together and we'll talk to y'all soon eat high and let it fly